Hey everyone, welcome back to the Saxa podcast, the first five years. I'm your host, Agassi Rodriguez, coming at you from Clemson University. Hi everyone, Erica Aguiar here from the University of Florida. Agassi, how you doing, friend? We are good. Uh, we have a venti uh, vanilla sweet cream cold brew, which is keeping us company and is getting us through our day. What about you, girl? You know, Agassi, I want to be honest with you and all of our followers. I'm not doing great. I feel the weight of, you know, where we're at right now. And I feel like many people hit this earlier, but I am at that precipice of we didn't really stop too many of our programs and I'm picking them up and also global pandemic and also national first gen days in three weeks. And also just, I feel like everything is crumbling. So um, I'm a very positive person. Um, Agassi, I'm not sure if you've ever known that about me, that I'm, you know, never, never. surprise, never. surprise. And it's just interesting. Um, I, I can see that people are perceiving me differently. Like, hey, you good? And I'm like, I'm allowed to have an off day. And so that's what we're doing today. And I just fully believe in authenticity. So I wasn't going to say that I'm good if I'm not. I am thrilled, honored, am excited to be here today, though. That might have been too many, too many adjectives, but we're, we are well. Well, girl, you know, it's always important to be authentic and to be vulnerable. So I yes. want to thank you for being vulnerable to all of our fans out there, the millions of listeners that we have across the globe. Singular um, fan. The, our singular fan. Shout out to Alexis Mikolos. Uh, <laughs> Alexis, we love you. Well, Alexis, thank you for being our number one fan for the first five years. Uh, your gift basket is on its way. Uh, so <laughs> it's full Don't make promises you can't keep. There really is a basket. We talked about this. Okay, Erica, we'll talk about this offline. Okay. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to be here. We're always excited to be here um, and get to talk to some great folks in the Saxa region and get to talk to my best friend, Erica, of course, and we get to record a wonderful co- I stop. Anyway. Thank you. Okay, that was a good ooh. But anyway, um, so welcome back once again. So for this week's uh, challenge word, um, it's a little bit- it's a little bit of a technical one. It's less of a goofy one. Um, in preparing for this episode with our guests, um, I did learn a new word um, that I'd never heard before. Um, and that word, which is your challenge word, Erica, is called an exurb. And an exurb um, is a district outside a city, especially a prosperous area beyond the suburbs. Um, as you may know Erica, and as our guest knows, and you know, she'll talk about it, I'm sure, in just a second. Um, our producer, Miles Surrett, loves to use big words um, and constantly is expanding my vocabulary. So that is a word that he threw off very casually to describe the area of which our guest is from, um, of which, of course, I had to Google immediately to figure out. So I'm, I'm going to need that spelling. It is, it is E as in Erica, X as in excellent, U as in you are great. R as in really, really great, and then B because you the baddest. Okay, I love the affirmation. Thank you so much. Honestly, trying to help your day, day, girl. You know, if you had asked me the third letter, I would have been very wrong. I (laughs) am, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey today to use this word. Yeah, one might say you you might have to travel to the exurb, to an exurb, or today's episode will be quite an exurb. Anywho, Moving forward into our conversation. Um, welcome to the first five years, y'all. Yeah, welcome Coming again. at you with topics that are relevant to what you want to know. We talking vulnerability. We talking topics. <laughs> we're, today we're talking on our continued little arc of 
telling you more about fields and parts of student affairs you might not know about. Exciting stuff, people. Absolutely. As always, we're always trying to bring you some timely information based off of the calendar and the time of the year um, and providing a public voice for graduate students and new professionals who might be learning, you know, what is this thing we call student affairs uh, or want to learn a bit more um, for maybe our VPSAs in the crowd. Um, yeah, absolutely. And with that being said, we are so excited to welcome our guest. So our guest today is Austin Vick. Austin Vick currently serves as the Assistant Director of Admissions at Old Dominion University, where she oversees the Campus Visitor Center and manages all large-scale events for admissions. Previously, Austin worked as the Coordinator of Student Guides and the Campus Experience at ODU. Austin completed her undergraduate work at East Carolina University and her Master's at Clemson University. Please welcome Austin. Woo! Austin! Austin! <laughs> Hey, Austin. Oh, we are so stoked. <laughs> We're excited. The hair is in a high pony, and that's where my energy is. We keep the party pony going. I thought the that party pony. Yeah, I thought it might leave me in undergrad, and it continued well past. So <laughs> I've never heard of a party pony. I, I wish I would. I wish I would have known about the party pony back when I was styling it with a man bun, because I definitely <laughs> would have taken that. Remember those yes. days, Erica? Right I remember them. Yeah. When was, was that grad school? That was grad school. That was grad school. But we grew, we learned, we got a master's. Um, so, you know, evolution, it's great. Um, but, but the party pony stays. The party pony stays, though. <laughs> but welcome, Austin. Uh, we're so excited to chat with you. Um, and, it, you know, as Erica mentioned just a little bit ago, um, this episode is continuing our series on pulling back the curtain. So for today's episode, we're going to dig a little deeper and peek behind the curtain to what admissions is like um, and talking to Austin about her experience working at admissions at Old Dominion University. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I know Erica likes to ask us. We have a few things before we can get to our conversation. Um, but that, Erica. Listen, I want to pull back the curtain on what the best thing ate this past week was. So tell me, Austin, what is it? Here's the thing. So I am gluten-free, not by choice or preference. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have a lot of exciting meals in my life. Uh, I don't think grilled chicken was what the conversation needed. So what I did have is, do y'all have veggie chips? Have y'all ever had those? Yes, they I love them. Or whatever, you know, they can't use the word Pringles, but found some sour cream and onion veggie chip Pringles. And that's really been keeping me going on this event week. So... <laughs> That's super I love exciting. it. I love that though. Small joy, small wins. <laughs> exactly. Agassi, best thing you ate? That's a good question. So for the best thing I ate this week uh, was a pretty simple meal. Uh, my partner and I just had some hot Italian sausage and some pasta with red sauce. Um, can't tell you what brand it was. I think it was Prego. Um, so y'all are out there trying to shop like me, go for the Prego. Um, but it was a very simple dinner, but we were trying to potentially eat out. There was nothing that sounded appetizing and I put on my big boy pants and I was like, I'm just going to make dinner. And then we made that and it came out great. So yes. I love that. I actually had a really good meal. So on Saturday before the sad Gators versus Texas A&M loss, um, I'm so excited about RIP truly. There's a new restaurant in Gainesville um, called The Leaning Pig. I can see it is where the gelato company used to be. So fun fact, that's closed. But 
it is this like sandwich slash charcuterie place. And I got a turkey sandwich because I am a little boring. Y'all, 10 slices of turkey, Texas toast, this spicy mayonnaise, and I'm not a spicy girl, but I like this home cured bacon. Oh, she was a star. <laughs> so if you're in Gainesville, all of our Gainesville listeners, the leaning pig, 10 out of 10 would recommend. And that was the best thing I ate this week. But really, now I want it again. Erica, we are bougie. We try, we try. Um, but now I want to ask Agassi, starting in our rapid fire, pew, 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 questions. Agassi, this is kind of a, it, based on my um, personality. What, what is something that will always make you smile? Oh, something that will always make me smile. I think a good musical number. So I think that there is no humanly way possible that I can hear, oh my God, you guys from Legally Blonde without getting hyped. Like that is a thousand yeah. percent. Like that song comes on the dick, 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 dick. I'm like, oh, let's go. And I play all the parts, all, all the women, the Greek chorus, all of it. Big fan of the Legally Blonde musical. So, you know, I know I said a musical number, but I think specifically, oh my God, you guys, done for, donezo, smile on the face, absolutely. I think I'm obsessed with you, Agassi. I think. <laughs> oh my it's God, a, you guys. It's a whole bop. It's a whole bop. Okay. A like, hundred you know, bops. It's so beautiful. Many, so many good, so many good hits on that. Um, well, my question to Austin. So Austin, as we mentioned in our bio, uh, you are an East Carolina alum and a proud pirate. So I'm curious, if you were a pirate and you had a ship, what would you name it? Oh my goodness, what an interesting question. I'm gonna go, all right, I'll make it sentimental. My mom's initials spell out C, um, and my parents both went to ECU, so their whole thing in our family, all the license plates, I mean, everything's ECU, and it's C Pirate, C-S-E-A-P-I-R, with an eight for my parents' anniversary. They're very sentimental, and everything surrounds ECU in our life, so, yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Y'all have matches that. that have like license plates and stuff like that? Dad's got, oh, I, am I like, is that publicizing my parents' cars? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're okay. I think you're okay. <laughs> Susan and Pete in the house, what's up? <laughs> I, I, I think technically you did, but you know what? I, we're, we're fine. We're good. Our listeners, you can trust our listeners. Awesome. <laughs> oh, my turn. Yes. All right. So my question is, if you were to have your dream concert and you can choose who your opener is and then who the headliner is, what is your concert? Okay. This is a journey. I am excited. <laughs> I think, oh my gosh, I don't even know who my opener would be. I'm going to come back to that. I think the one thing that I know to be to be true in my heart of hearts is that there is a duo sung between Harry Styles and Troye Sivan. That is happening. I don't know what song. I don't, they could just look at me for three <laughs> minutes and I would say, thank you so much. I think that Lord would be there. Um, I think Beyonce would probably be my headliner. Um, I've also been listening to this new artist. I don't think they're new, they're new to me called Mayo and I'm super vibing with them. I think it might be a little more of a Coachella situation, but number one yeah. is Troye Sivan, Harry Styles. I don't care what you're singing to me, but just sing to me. Oh, and uh, Ben Platt. 
because this album's called Sing to Me Instead. So that is my, that's my lineup. I think that's a lot Beautiful. of white men. I, I might rethink it if I had more time, but that's my, my first answer. <laughs> I'm just happy that I was able to like predict that you were going to pick Harry Styles. I knew that one was going to- just gonna, talked about him. Gonna, exactly, that's why. Um, and now, me, back to you, Austin. So I am a big foodie, if it's not been apparent. And I always like to know kind of interesting or I, I won't call them weird, but non-traditional food combos. Was there like a snack or something that you put together that people are like, what are you doing? And you are like, this slaps hard. <laughs> All right. I feel like Miles listening, he, I don't know if he'll remember this, but he's going to judge me. I enjoy food, but not like in a foodie way, like very simple. I love just plain noodles with butter and Parmesan. And when people find out, they judge me. I bring this to lunch most days at work. People judge me. Try it. It is a delicacy. It sounds simple, but it literally brings me joy. So maybe a little garlic powder up in there. <laughs> I think if that brings you joy, it brings you joy. And it sounds great. <laughs> and that's good. I also just want to say for the record that most people do not uh, do not go unscathed in our office about their lunch options. <laughs> um, there is a lot of conversation about a lot of people's lunch choices and options and preferences in our office, of which Austin, um, Austin and I miss each other. She left, she graduated the year that I started in the office. She used to work at the same <laughs> office I work in now. Uh, but I want you to know, Austin, that that tradition has held. Okay, um, <laughs> and Miles also gets his fair share of flack. So, you know, you're not alone on that. Don't worry, we got you, though. We got you. Perfect. I appreciate it. All right. I think I'm up for Agassi. Um, so what is something or the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself during, like, stay at home or during this time of COVID? <laughs> Oof. Okay. I'm wondering if I want to be, like, fun or if I want to be, like, deep. You know? Okay, so I think, I really think that, you know, I think the isolation and the quarantining have really highlighted who are some of the most important people in my life and people that I'm like, I want to stay in contact with you. And I want to make sure that I, even if we're not seeing each other, we're like talking to each other. And also, um, and I think on the flip side, something I've kind of learned about myself is that it's okay. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer that I think in friendships, we don't have to talk every day for me to feel like we're best friends. Like Eric and I are very much best friends. And yeah, we talk, you know, often it's not like every day we're on the phone or we're, we're not texting and I don't consider herself any less of a friend because of that. And I think one thing I've learned is that for myself is that it's okay that to let people get some distance sometimes because everybody's handling their own stuff right now. Um, and I think I've really just learned to like be a little bit more okay when people don't want to talk because I want to talk to folks. I'm, I really love talking to people on the phone, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times I text call people and they're like, Hey, not in the mood to be on the phone call. So I think for myself, I've just learned one, who are those people that I'm like, you're important to me. And two, Hey, I'm okay. If we don't talk about, if we don't talk right now, kind of thing. Boom. And final question. Thank you so much for that question, Austin. Final question to Erica. So we all know that Erica is a big traveler. Obviously not right now because no. of, you know, because of things happening. Um, but Erica, 
And Erica's birthday was recent, was recently, did happen recently. Um, so what is the one place besides Disney that you would have wished you could travel to for your birthday? And I say besides Disney because I know Disney would have been the choice. I like to think that I have more sophisticated choices sometimes, not always. Okay, so, who? Honestly, I have never been someone who does something big for my birthday, ever. And that's always been something I want to do. So I think if I could have traveled anywhere, I would have loved to have been somewhere cold. What's sticking out to me is perhaps Amsterdam. Just like put me in a cozy sweater and my little ankle boots and give me a scarf. Not gloves though, because I don't like gloves. I have small hands. They make my hands look smaller. It's all about the aesthetic for Instagram. And give me like a nice like cup of something, but I also would have been able to do vineyards and charcuterie boards because I love a good charcuterie. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go with Amsterdam or similar areas um, for that little fall vibe. Not winter though. I don't want it to be too cold. Switzerland, another one. Great question. And now you've made me sad. Because I wish I could try. Um, let it be known that that was not my intent, but I do apologize for my impact. If that was what happened, I, I thank you, friend. I got You're you. You're good. I got you. All righty. So now moving on to our next little game on our episode. Name. Scott. Scott. Boom. You know, we've yet to actually test out if that is like actually kitsch accurate or not. I would say it's probably not. Um, Listeners, but, tell us. Yep. Or, or, or actually, no, please tell us whether or not it's good or bad. <laughs> please. Yeah, truly. Um, so welcome back. Uh, we're doing Name That Scott. So it's our favorite little game where I get to ask Erica and our guest um, to name an institution based off of their mascot. Now, I might also give them an institution and they give me the mascot. Who knows? Sometimes it's a toss up. Um, I never know what I'm saying until I start saying it. That's a lie. I have to list in front of me. But uh, away we go. Also to note that these institutions, in honor of our guests, um, are both in North Carolina. So first institution. This institution mascot are or is the Blue Devils. Do we buzz in? Sorry. <laughs> buzz away. Buzz away, Austin. I don't buzz. know the answer. There's the buzz. There's the buzz. buzz. Um, is it Duke? Duke University. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> The Duke University founded in 1832 in Trinity, North Carolina, and then moved to Durham in 1892. Pulled the real Furman over there, moving, moving across, uh, moving across <laughs> the state. Um, for, for our Furman folks listening in the audience, slash my producer who's on this call. Um, so yes, founded in 1832, moved in 1892. It is a private institution in North Carolina. Next institution is the Eagles. Did we say that they were all in, in North Carolina? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this one's a tough one. Mm, I, will give, I will give you a hint. Please. They are also in Durham, North Carolina. Mm. I appreciate the clue, but it did nothing for me. I apologize. Yeah, same. Okay, y'all. So this institution is North Carolina Central University. I'm disappointed oh. in myself. So North Carolina Central University was founded in 1910. It is a historically black public university in Durham, North Carolina. 
As a reminder to everyone listening, the real winner here is that we're all learning together. So thank you so much for taking part. The more you know. Boom. There you go. We're just full of we're just full of music today, Erica. Well, now on to the part that I think I can answer and that I think I can win at. Actually, no, Austin, you're gonna be the winner. The actual content of the episode. So Austin, you work in admissions, and actually, I don't think I've shared this, but my graduate assistantship was in admissions, so I'm really excited to talk about this because for the first time during this arc, I feel like I actually know what we're talking about, because the other times I've been like, I know none of the things. (laughs) So we're just going to start quickly with, and this is probably going to be hard, knowing all that I know about admissions. Can you just give us an overview of what you do in your current role? Yeah, so... As mentioned, I oversee our visit center. So it's really all of those experiences we want to provide to our prospective students and families. So thinking about large scale events like open house, admitted students day, um, scholars day, any of those like um, maybe small events you're invited to based on college or major. Um, A lot of times I'm bringing campus partners and, and academics into a place that's like tangible as an event or as a visit experience for students so that they can get more information based on our college and and really overseeing like tour guides and those fun uh, like employment and development opportunities for student employees. Yeah, a lot of fun. That was succinct. Thanks. There's, I know that there's a lot of stuff that you do. That's, that was good, A plus. I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, just to kind of expand a little bit more about that, Um, What do you think are some of the ways that your role in maybe largely admissions um, has changed during current times with COVID um, and kind of working from home as you are? Yeah, I think what's really interesting is when it all first happened, it was like my whole job is events and bringing large masses of people into a space. And then that was just completely (laughs) like closed down. And so just reimagining what a visit experience can be for students has totally changed. It happened maybe like two weeks the close down happened before admitted students day, which is like 6,000 people on one campus. So families and friends and everyone coming in, it's this huge party. It's what we work for all year. Um, And we had to change that kind of (laughs) within a week. So then changing it to being, I think for a couple months, we had like 50 unique events within a month that were different virtual platforms. So bringing in academic partners into sessions, doing um, lab tours, uh, (laughs) what else? I mean, doing territory calls. So having like tour guides from certain areas call students into a room to kind of just discuss interest level. So I think really it's changed the entire dynamic of what our office is and really the language, of course, our tours aren't completely scripted, but there is a nature of what we want to be exhibited or shared. And that's had to change because students have a different experience and we want that to be authentic. Um, And so I think every piece of my role has changed. Um, And I've really gotten comfortable within our CRM, our communications, our, uh, you know, just this past week, typically we would do calling campaigns. So, you know, 60 of my students call people. We did pre-recorded videos to do individual invites. So we're really just trying to navigate what students are interested in um, because online stuff goes stale pretty fast. So you got to shift pretty often to stay relevant in their minds. Shift and then shift some more and then maybe you pivot, (laughs) maybe you flip over a chair and it, it, it really is. Yeah. It reminds me of that 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 toy in the past, Erica. What is uh, what is it? Is it a bop it, bop it, 
Flip it. Hit it. Cry in a corner. <laughs> Put it on TikTok. Instead of, instead of like popping, it's just like cry, sob, laugh. <laughs> well, I like the cries on there twice. Thank you for knowing me. But it really does feel like everything we try, we have to change again. And what I think is interesting, and, and this is not one of the questions that uh, we originally wanted to ask, but I just am so curious. I think it's so different for people who work with current students. We've got some buy-in. You're a student here. Okay, online classes. And not to say what are your other options. Of course, students can take time off and have a, a bevy of other choices. You're committed, right? Okay, I want to finish my degree. I have community. And then you get to this other side of admissions where, I mean, the ball's in their court. And so you're trying to not only remain fresh and engaging, but also trying to help people make uh, one of, arguably, I would say the, the biggest decisions up, up until this point in their lives. And I, I don't know that there's a question in there, but I just want to hear more about what you think because no, it's so tough. Completely. And I think we're kind of, we're behind it at all points because when we first started it, we didn't know how long it was going to last. So we were trying to keep up with like quick and relevant content to just keep them interested. Because in admissions, you have that funnel where you bring in the thousands of names and we're trying to bring it down to who we can really solidify. So when we're down to that, that final list of who we think is interested in ODU or will possibly attend, their complete interested understanding of the world is shifting constantly, you know, so they don't want to talk to us because their prom just got canceled. So then we're trying to keep relevant content to get them interested. And then their parents just lost their job. And so by the time we've created content for them to enjoy or partake in, their whole world has shifted again during this time, especially working at an institution that does serve, you know, 25% of our students are first generation, you know, we're yeah, I love our, our first-gen students. A lot of them come from military. So if they're in the Navy, maybe that's not their interest anymore to come back and get a degree. So I think we're just constantly trying to catch up while we have 50, you know, tour guides who are also really sad that they're in online classes and football season's been canceled. So it's just catching up with all these different student interests and trying to have some empathy through the process while also meeting enrollment <laughs> and making sure that we're doing our duty to the university. When that becomes so hard, you know, exactly what you're talking about, that the line between serving students, not the line, I think the balance or the mm -hmm. harmony of serving students and also like being responsible for your institutional duties. Like at the end of the day, you are working in admissions and your part of your job is to get students to go to the institution. And what do you do when there are so many things that are just literally out of your own, out of your own sphere of influence, out of your sphere of control, out of your ability to actually influence anything because it's, not only is there like institutional policy and you know institutional changes happening and institutional responses to you know are the pandemic but then there's an entire pandemic that's happening right outside your door as well so like exactly like how do you ask a student hey sign up for this path in your life when you do have all those things happening behind the scenes and not that there's an exact answer but i know that like uh, colleagues that I've spoken to who work with students and work with supervisors there's also that balance of like how much can i ask of the people around me right now when so many people are trying to handle their own things and trying to take care of their own lives. And that's the hard balance because again, it's the responsibility of like, I have a duty to this institution to complete these responsibilities and these tasks. And then also our students are hurting. And as Erica said, you know, we're not talking about, you know, students who are like, well, I've already put in two or three years, you know, this is the institution I've kind of gone to. I'll just do online classes. We're talking about people are like looking at institutions and saying, okay, are they responding in a way that I think is correct? I if not, I'm going to take my break. 
And I think also not to bring in a new topic, but COVID kind of hit right when this huge like racial revolution happened. So it was this generation of students at one point is experiencing the world asking them to really stand in what they believe in and decide what they want to do with their life, which at 18, I could even pick a major. I don't, I can't imagine doing it in a time like this. So um, I think there's a lot happening with this generation of students. I mean, and Gen Z, because I mean, and Gen Z, if we keep talking about millennials, I'm going to be so tired. Millennials are no longer <laughs> what we're focused on, right? Gen Z is so forward with their beliefs and they are, you know, I saw this meme on TikTok and it was like, they're scared to make an appointment with a doctor, but they will stand up, you know, in the face of a police officer and protest. And then we're, you know, we're trying to make content that's relevant and also they're watching what the institutions do. And so that's more relevant to you and admissions folks than I think anyone else that where it's like, everything that's happening at the institution is affecting the student's choice. Every single thing, they're watching how we responded to Black Lives Matter. And, and Austin, you have to pull all of that together and then also be like, and here are all of our major programs. And I think sometimes people think about admissions like, oh great, you travel and you recruit. And there is so much more to it. It is so convoluted and you are doing 600 things. And so maybe there's not a question in this, but just like a, wow, you're a rock star and you're killing it. Well, thanks. I think it's, it's a, a challenge, but it's really interesting because when I was a tour guide and I always pick on my students, the thing that everyone goes to and SRC folks are wreck and wellness, love you all, but we're always like, and we have a rock wall. Like that's what tours were. It was like our millennial or our previous generations are like, how much can we offer? What are these rooms that are dedicated to certain kinds of study? Or it was very much like flashy of what was offered. And then now students, like you said, they're going to Twitter or Instagram or student like voices who are coming out talking about an institution. Um, and they don't always rely on just those flashy pieces of a tour or a video. So um, it's really navigating what the public voice is. And students are very, very vocal. They message our Twitter directly with their questions or speaking up for what they believe in. And they're just perspective. Or they have a friend or a kid at their school that made a, a certain decision. So they're going to let us know to keep us accountable. So it's a very interesting landscape with uh, this generation. It's so interesting because, you know, I, I, I also think about this from the perspective of like public entities or like companies generally. And I know that like millennials were very attuned with like the idea of uh, corporations and social good and more, uh, more specifically about the idea that like they will or we will support companies that we believe stand up for what the things we believe in are. Um, and even more so, as we just talked about with this generation that is absolutely, you know, screenshotting the, the potentially horrible things that uh, peers and classmates are mm -hmm. saying online and being like, hey, at ODU, is this your guy? Um, blah, blah, and you know, and there's a, almost like a different level of accountability now entering mm -hmm. into college. I mean, we've seen institutions, and I know this happened at the University of Florida where students posted not so great things online and their admissions were rescinded. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and again, it's, it's that accountability piece and even more so that applies the same to the institutions. I mean, I, whenever any kind of decision is handed down at our institution, I immediately take to Instagram and Twitter to see, okay, what are people saying? How are people responding? And let me tell you, those comment sections sometimes on fire, like to the <laughs> point where like, I'm so happy. I'm not a social media manager by trade because I could this never, would, this would be a field day because, you know, again, it's. There's a lot of frustrations and then 
you have to think about an institution. There's so many stakeholders that with every decision handed down, 100% of people are never going to be okay with it. But again, think about your prospective students. Again, they are expecting a lot. And they're saying, hey, like, we, you know, we haven't seen any statements about racial justice from your institution. And now that we've um, kind of progressed, you know, past the summer where a lot of, you know, obviously things are still happening, but a lot, you know, with George Floyd and some Brenda Taylor, and obviously with the court decisions that have happened now, we're past the point of, our institution saying something and it's okay you said this thing a few months ago but you haven't done anything about this this is literally still happening so where's the accountability and again students are watching that and you know right now of course we're in october so i i know with your season you know things are going to start picking up um soon because students are going to start sending in applications and you know the number of applications and i know you mentioned that funnel admissions is real good with the numbers um i love the funnel like very much so um but yes there was also no question in that. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, just say it. <laughs> Trying to be like Erica. <laughs> I just obsessed with me. I stopped. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we've, we've talked a good bit about, I think some of the, the changes in admissions, but, um, and you know, I'll say, I know with admissions, you all work across campus and not even just across campus, outside of the institution to work with stakeholders and folks to like coordinate getting students to your institution. So, you know, just generally, what are some things you wish um, your colleagues in higher ed or student affairs um, knew about what's happening right now in admissions and what are some of the best ways to support you in that? Yeah, I think something that I've really utilized and have found success within is really just coming at it of trying to see how I can include everyone on campus through the admissions process because when we talk about, you know, social media and stuff, sometimes I look around and see that every single major and department and campus resource has sent out their own email, which students are only seeing the university name. They don't understand structure. I didn't understand structure until my second year of grad school. Like, it takes a lot to understand what a university looks like. So just the more we can have a cohesive voice where we all work together and come together as a team, which I know sounds just like rainbows and butterflies and this super simple process, which I know it's not, but the more we can, can find this team interdepartmental structure, I think is just super helpful. And so we have open house coming up this weekend. And so tomorrow we're doing, you know, a dress rehearsal of every single person from campus so that they feel heard and any questions they have, they can practice, they can feel comfortable. And so it's not just you bring your team, show up and do what you can for students. Let's all come together and just make sure we all feel comfortable within this. Um, and, and trying to set up, that's one thing virtual gives us. It's a lot easier easier for me to put a Zoom link together and throw it up on our website and send out a quick text message to students instead of trying to coordinate, you know, room reservations and, and safety guidelines and egress and all that, you know, stuff that comes with events. So um, I think within admissions, if you can just resource finding someone in the department that is really there to, to work with visit experiences or events, just utilize them to see how you can be more a part of the admissions process. Because um, like you said, Eric, I think a lot of people just see us as recruiters or counselors, or they think of that part of admissions, but there's a whole nother world where they're trying to make that, that experience feel natural to students, but there's a whole office most likely working to make that happen. And I think with this new class and everything <laughs> we've talked about, it is so much harder to recruit students now because they have access to everything. And that's actually something we're working on um, with our first gen students. We're finding that it's, I mean, we offer our students a full ride and it's still hard for some of them to decide. 
And so it's using campus partners and saying, okay, it's not just me telling you, you should come here. Can I connect you to another, like, how do we personalize it? I think that is really what this, this generation wants. There, there's, and again, during right now, it's what, why should I go now? I know a lot of students who are, okay, yes, you might be offering me a full ride, but is college even right for me? The world is literally on fire. And I think campus partners who are listening, hey, connect because you are so much a part of that process. But also let's not forget that admissions is sort of the, should be the front face of it in, in the sense that you understand recruitment of these students more than anyone else, right? This is your, this is your bread and butter. Um, but it, I, I'm glad you said some of that because I, I think we have to work together for some of this because it, yeah. we're all in an uphill battle and we're just and figuring it's it out. Even even more important for this upcoming recruitment cycle, I think there was so much of a focus at the end of last year's recruitment cycle because it was during COVID, it was during all these things happening in the world. Everyone was, you know, worried about meeting enrollment. Um, and I'm really proud. Old Dominion University did great within enrollment. We're, we're out there supporting students. We're bringing those students in. But I think more of the concern should be placed on this upcoming recruitment cycle because these students, they've had a whole year to think about other options or what does their life look like depending, you know, what happens within the pandemic or how the world evolves. So I think continuing that relationship past what was just last year's recruitment cycle, because even upcoming are going to be challenged by what's happened in the past year. Yes, retweet, 100%. <laughs> I, I, I love this conversation because when I love, I've loved all of this art because I think sometimes people don't want to consider Admissions part of student affairs. And I know in some universities it is part of the division, and some universities it's not. But these are such relevant topics. Um, so I don't know if at Old Dominion you are under your student affairs division, or if you're in enrollment management or whatever it is. But um, it, I just like really love this conversation. Is basically what I'm trying to say. And it's like very important that we're having it and that we're hearing kind of your perspective and experience. Yeah, and I think. I think admissions needs a student affairs focus in certain elements because at Old Dominion we are under student engagement, but it, it humanizes kind of that student experience because sometimes I am the only one in the room who's gone to school for higher ed or student affairs um, and in a very numbers heavy or a very data driven conversation and many of in many of our meetings it's nice to i think have a perspective of how is the development of this affecting students or what do students really need you know one thing i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you know one thing i whenever i think of admissions something i very much admire about folks in admissions is that there is a like a marketing and engagement mindset that I just find so cool and fascinating because it's higher ed and marketing in a way, just because of the way, I, and you just talked about this as funnel, but you know, basic, I know the basic premise is that, you know, if we, if we talk to or reach out to X thousand amount of students, X thousand might apply and X thousand might get it. And then it just, it condenses there until you have the class that actually matriculates. And I know y'all have all sorts of fun, uh, fancy <laughs> words that y'all used to talk about enrollment and matriculation and melt and all these wonderful things that I've talked to my admissions. Ooh, melt, yes. Ooh, look at me. I know, I know <laughs> okay, things, right? Okay, he knows his words. I, I know things. Yes, I do. I had to call a colleague in admissions uh, before I went to go have a presentation with admissions. I'm like, can you help me translate this? Um, and it's just also, again, it's cool because 
you know, it, it, it really reminds me that although we all might work in the same institution, we talk about things differently. And you just touched on it. I know admissions is very data heavy and very data driven. And it's like, well, we have this number of applications compared to last year. And we, these regions didn't apply as much as this. We need more focus here. And it's, it's again, it's a cool mindset. But again, now with all this COVID stuff, so much of that is like, okay, what is, what is a good number? What is like, a, a, like, hey, we're doing all right. What is like, uh-oh, we're kind of sunk. And I'm sure for a private institution at times with a smaller um, class of students, it's even harder because again, like you're talking about smaller numbers, um, which of course, you know, lo lower enrollment rates across the board affect all institutions. But of course, like the smaller of an institution you are, the more it might impact your overall like institution in, in many ways. Um, but going back to that, that like marketing mindset, because I remember sitting down with our admissions folks and we're coordinating um, one of our, having our involvement quiz sent out to all admitted students. And they're like, okay, what students do you want? Do you want first gen? Do you want returning gen? Do you want this region? Do you want this half of the state, that half of the state? It's like, okay, here are all the emails we're going to send out. This emails for this purpose, this emails for this purpose. I'm like, all this, like, we're going to do this because it's about school spirit and this because it's about academics. I'm like, wow. Like I was like blown away. I truly was. But again, like, now thinking to what you're talking about, like pivoting all these events, like what does that look like? Like, and there's no question because you're right. In the spring, it was like, okay, like, you know, maybe this thing will pass and things will start picking up. And now it's like, hey, it looks like the spring might look a lot like this fall. So are our students ready? Are we as staff ready? Have we like adapted well enough? And, you know, as you're talking about like reaching out to like campus partners and coordinating across campus, um, I mean, I definitely feel that because part of y'all's job is to market the things and to really promote the things that are happening on campus and if we don't know what we're doing on campus as student affairs how can we help y'all promote those things so like hey come to this institution because look at all the stuff we have if like I, well we don't even know what events are going to happen right now because you know who's to know? like it's a, a semester away is a long time away in, in a way um even though it's like right around the corner yeah, and with how the world evolves so quickly, I feel like it's just, it's going even faster. Um, I think with COVID, and I'm sure in a lot of departments, but especially in admissions, we're still doing our recruitment tactics we've done forever. We've added on these virtual ones that we started in March. Now we work, you know, some that are in tandem. So I know every week we do Facebook live tours where we walk, you know, a camera around campus so people feel like they're on tour. We're starting starting very small on-campus tours. We have self-guided tours. We have information sessions that are virtual. We have conversations with just students. So it's, you're kind of just doing it all now and hoping it lands with somebody. <laughs> and, you know, and then we're tracking those numbers and those certain kinds of students of what appeals to them. Um, so really it's just, our plate just continues to get fuller and, you know, crossing our fingers. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, <laughs> but yeah. Crossing our fingers for you. And I crossing think, our fingers here too. <laughs> you know, I think that the summation of what I'm hearing is that um, admissions is not on the exurb. You all are the city. <laughs> You all are so integral to what we do in student affairs. That one's a pretty good one. I'm proud of myself. Um, Clap emojis all around. Clap emojis. Thank you. Austin, what a conversation. I'm so jazzed by this. I feel like I'm a little bit back in grad school, but people who are listening, I hope you're, you're listening to what we talked about in that our whole series, right? We, we have to work together. This is not getting any easier. And I'm glad that we have folks like you, Austin, who are just doing the really good work and just changing lives and just killing the game, pew, 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 uh, <laughs> with the party pony. Uh, the party pony. The party pony is my favorite thing in the world, so I'm going to keep talking about it. <laughs> um, 
but thanks everyone again for joining us today on the first five years presented by SAXA. And thanks as always to our producers, Miles Soret and Erica Lee for this episode. If you want to know more about SAXA, the Southern Association for College Student Affairs, you can find them on all the things, facebook.com backslash SAXA fan page, Twitter at SAXA tweets, Instagram at SAXA grams, Agassiz and I are on the socials too. You can find me at Erica M underscore Aguiar. That's A-G-U-I-A-R. Agassiz, where are you at? You can also find me on Twitter uh, at Agassiz. That is A-G-A-S-S-Y underscore R. Austin, where can they find you if you want them to find you? You might be like, no thanks. <laughs> Always down for more friends. Um, I don't have Twitter because I'm lame and never learned that platform, but I do have Instagram. So Vic underscore Austin if anyone wants to chat and hang out. Love it. Thanks again, everyone, for joining on another journey of vulnerability and party ponies. Tune in <laughs> next time for some other fantastic and exciting topics. Pew, pew, pew. Have fun, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.